take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. John chapter 13. If you would look with me down in verse 21. So when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on the other, on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Look with me back in verse 23. Very interesting verse when you look at that. It says, And there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, and notice what it says, whom Jesus loved. Whom Jesus loved. Like preach message that I've titled, The Disciple Whom Jesus Loved. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. Asking for your presence, your hand, your moving of the Spirit of God in our hearts and lives. Challenge us through the Word of God. Challenge us, Lord, to walk close to you. Lord, if there be somebody here tonight that doesn't know Christ their Savior, I pray that they might get saved. They might come to you. But Lord, I pray that you would challenge our hearts. We thank you for your mercy and goodness. Thank you for the Word of God that speaks to our hearts and the Holy Spirit that drives it home. And Lord, deals with us, and Lord, we thank you for the blessings of the Spirit of God that dwells within us. Bless now the preaching of thy word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. Four other times do we see this reference in the book of John. In John chapter 19, verse 26 says, And Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Over in John chapter 20 and verse 2, it says, then, then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. And then if you look over in John chapter 21, verse 7, it says, Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. That same chapter, John chapter 21, verse 20 says, And then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee. We find in this a statement there referring to actually the writer of the book of John, John himself. And he always referred to himself, the disciple, or he whom Jesus loved. If you was to look through this and quickly read through that, you would possibly led to the thinking that Jesus loved this disciple more than any other disciple that he had. It says the disciple, the, the one whom he loved. But that's not the case. Also, John's not trying to say that Jesus loved him more than the others. And so I want us to look at this tonight and, and try to figure out a little bit here 
a little bit of what the reasoning is behind John using this term about the one whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved. First of all, the love of the Lord for each of us is the same. There is no difference in the love one for another. The Lord does not superficially love anyone. His love for each of us is the same even though we sin against him or disappoint him. It begins with his great love for us and the whole world and that he gave his own son to die on the cross for us that we might have eternal life. If you go there to John 3, 16, which we even quoted this morning, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved the world, everybody. That's not just those who would receive him. That's all that ever come into the world. That's not just those who would get saved and live for him. But that's the whole world. He loved everyone the same. For God's love the world, they gave his own begotten son. Whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In man's way of thinking, the Lord would love us more maybe after we receive him as our Savior than before. But I think the scripture bears out that that's not the case. That that love that he has for us is an unchanging love. And that love came before the foundations of the world existed. Before you and I stepped foot into this life, before, before we ever was a, a thought in, in, in man's eyes. Uh, God already knew that we would be here and his love for us was set. And he would love us just as much as he would anybody else. There was no requirements upon it. God's love is so great for us that he demonstrated it by giving his son to die for us. That it, and that type of love, you think about that type of love, a love where the, God himself would give his son a sinless son, a perfect son, a son who would never sin, who had always been with him, who he had never been separated from, to die for a sinful person who didn't care about God. Who would not even get saved in some instances. Who would rear up for another religion against God who would shake their fist at God, and yet he loved them that much, or should I say he loved us that much that he gave his son. How can you improve upon that type of love? It's an impossibility. It is a perfect love, a love that is unchanging, a love that does not diminish or can be increased. That type of love is at its, you might say, at its maximum. If you look at the word that's used there, it's a agapeo, or we many times call it agape, but it's agapeo, which is a love that is of the strongest uh, that can possibly be given. And the Lord loves us that much before we even received him as our Savior. And John's not trying to say that God loved him more. Than, than anybody else. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10 it says, Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Now that love was in the before. And sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins, otherwise to cover our sins. A ransom. Consider that love of God for a dirty, rotten sinner that cared not for the Lord, yet he loved us. 
with love that's beyond our comprehension. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 through 6 says, But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, you're talking about a love that's beyond comprehension. You talk about a love that, that we don't understand, to be honest with you, and our greatest love. You know, we think about family or, or those who are closest to us, and we think about our love. But you got to understand that your love compared to your family and, and God's love compared to us, there is no comparison because even within your own family, within in your own ability to love, there's things that will affect your love. You may have a child and you may never say that you don't love them, but that love can sometimes be tested and pushed to a point sometimes. And yet the Lord says, that love that I have for you will never change. You say, well, preacher, how could God... How could God, you say, that loves that much, how could he cast anyone into a lake of fire? You have to understand the makeup of God. He is a just God. He is a righteous God. That doesn't change his love. And that also shows us that because he's just and righteous, that he can't change he is God. And therefore he sets the bounds and did all and everything he could to bring every person unto salvation. And it's not God that makes that choice. Huh? No, it's your choice. It's your choice to reject Christ. To reject that love. To reject what he's done for you. And then that choice, you live and you die with that choice. Because he's a just God. He's righteous and he cannot go against that love and he cannot go against his righteousness. Therefore, how can John refer to himself as that disciple whom Jesus loved? I believe it's because of his close continual fellowship. And that close, continual relationship to the Lord Jesus. There that we read in John chapter 13. Look at verse 23 again. It says, now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom. I think that's key. I think that's key to John being able to say the disciple whom Jesus loved. There was one leaning on Jesus' bosom, bosom who, uh, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. It wasn't that the Lord Jesus loved him more than his other disciples. That, uh, 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 but it's this disciple that worked at being closer to the Lord than the others were working at. It's not that the Lord loved him more because he was closer. No, it was because John is looking at his life. Come up here, Matt. Sit down here. He's getting married, I'm married, we're okay on this. <laughs> Lean back a little bit. And the Bible says he leaned upon his bosom. And right now, when I put my ear up to his bosom, you know what I hear? Because he's nervous and looking at you, his heart's going thump, 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 thump. Not knowing what I'm going to do, amen? And I could hear 
his heartbeat. There was a close relationship between John and Jesus. In not because of maternal relationship, not because he was just a disciple, but because John wanted to be as close in relationship and fellowship with Jesus so much so that it, and, and by the way, let me say this, of the Eastern customs, that, was, that is not an uncommon thing for one man to lean upon the breast or the bosom of another man or to put their arm around them to show the affection or the closeness of that. That, was, that has nothing to do with all the vile wickedness that's going on in our day and time in America, okay? That, is a com that was a common thing. But you find the one that's leaning upon the, the bosom of Jesus wasn't Peter, who was the outgoing and who was always saying something, always doing something. And, and if you'd looked at anybody in the church, it would look like, man, it's Peter who's close to Jesus. Look at all he's doing. But who do you find leaning upon the bosom of Jesus? John. The disciple whom Jesus loved. And so it's that relationship, that closeness. Let me say this. If you have children, you love all your children really the same. But there's some of your children that you may have a closer relationship with. Maybe because the others are scattered farther away and you can't be together much. Or maybe even at a distance, maybe their relationships may be closer because maybe they stay in contact or they're, I mean, whatever it is. But there's sometimes, it's not that you love one more than the other. Or maybe a sibling, a brother or a sister. That you love one another, you love your other siblings, but there's something about your relationship, there's something about your fellowship that draws you closer to one another. It's not that you love one another, love them any more than the other. But there's a closeness there. A closeness that the others don't have. That maybe the others are not really looking for or even desiring to have. Even Peter recognized this relationship that we're talking about here. We look at in verse 23, down through verse 24, it says, Now there was leaning on, on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter, therefore, what? Because he knew of the relationship, because he knew of the, the closeness of John and, and Jesus here, says, Simon Peter, therefore, beckoned to him, who? To, the, to this one whom Jesus loved, that he should ask, who it should be of whom he spake. Who would be the one that would betray Jesus? It's like this. John was sitting there, leaning on the bosom of Jesus. And when Jesus said that there would be one that betrayed him, Peter gets John over and says, hey, listen. And I'm just going to improvise here a little bit. Hey, listen. You got an inside track here. You're close to him. Ask him who, it's going to, who it is that's going to betray him. He knows who it is. Ask him. Now, could I say this? If Peter would have asked Jesus the same question that he's having John to ask, Jesus would have gave the same answer. 
that he gave John. Because it wasn't because he loved John more. He loved them the same. But Peter recognized that there was a closeness and a closer fellowship. And therefore, he thought, if anybody can get the answer, he can. And so even Peter recognized that fellowship. You know, in your life, in my life, in people that we know, we, we recognize, we see people who, who we say, man, they really love the Lord. I mean, boy, they're, man, they, they, man, they love God. Man, you just see them, everything, everything about them spells their love for the Lord. And, and you see that in their lives. You recognize that. You know why? Because of the relationship that they have with the Lord. So, man, it seems like God's always answering their prayers. You know what the problem is? is maybe your relationship's not there where you're not even asking like Peter didn't ask. And the fact is, is that we need that relationship. We need that closeness. So we see this, that, that relationship was a very important part of this. Jesus, as I said, would have answered Peter the same way. The need is just as important in, in our day for us to lean upon the bosom of Jesus Christ and get as close as we can. And just like, and, and I'm not, I, I am not kidding you. When I put my ear up to, up to the side of, uh, of, his, of his chest here, I heard his heart. Do you know what you and I need as Christians? We need to get close enough that we hear the heartbeat of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's a close walk. And when I'm talking about the heartbeat, I'm talking about the, what the Lord Jesus Christ wants in your life and in, in those around you and what's, what's taking place in the world to have an understanding, that closeness where you so close to hear the heartbeat. I can stand here. Now, I don't have very good hearing, but I can't hear his heartbeat. I still can't hear his heartbeat. I still can't hear his heartbeat. I would have to lay my head upon his, his chest and listen. And with everything going on around us, now I have hearing, especially this ear that's bad, and if there's a lot of noise, I, can't, I can hear something, but I can't tell what it is. And when there's a lot of background noise, you've got to listen a lot closer, don't you? And boy, there's a lot of background noise going on in our world and there's a lot of things going on. That's why it's so important for us to take time with the Lord and get our head upon his breast so that we can hear the heartbeat of Jesus Christ and draw near to him. To sense his moving in our lives and all that's around us. To be ever present where he's at. And I believe that that comprehension of the Lord's love as John comprehended that God loved him that much, caused him to use this title, Whom Jesus Loved. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 through 19, it says, That Christ, now listen to this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, and depth and height. Of what, preacher? The next verse tells us. And to know the love of Christ. Which passes knowledge. That she might be filled with all fullness of God. 
For often, far too often we, under, we fail to understand the love of the Lord for us. We think of it as something that comes and goes depending upon our performance or our love for Him. And I think that's where many times we mess up. Because God's love didn't change for you. It's you that have changed back and forth. It's your life that has created the distance. It's your life that has, has uh, disengaged with the love of God. It's your life that no longer is comprehending that love like you should. And he said, listen, I want you to comprehend. The Lord wants us to comprehend and take a hold of. We need to grasp the love of God for each of us, a love that is without breadth and without length and without depth and without height. It's beyond what you can measure is what it's saying. He said, take a hold of it. And, and sitting here tonight in this auditorium and with everybody, when's the last time you really stopped and thought and comprehended that love? Oh, yeah, we say, yeah, I know God loves me. Bible says he loves me. I know he loves me. Yeah, but have you ever tried to wrap your mind around it and comprehend it, grasp it? Because, my friend, when you begin to look into that love that God has for you, it's, it's awesome. It's beyond comprehension in many ways. But we should try to grasp it because it's... I, I remember, I've seen pictures of, of uh, down there, the, the, the ark encounter with, how many of you have been to the ark encounter, have seen the ark down there? How many? There's a few in here. And I remember thinking, as we drove up, I've seen this ark sitting way, because you parked way back here, and then they shuttled us up there. And I remember thinking, that thing's pretty good size. And then we got closer, and I'm thinking, this thing's pretty good, real good size. And we got closer, and then when we got up and we unloaded, I'm looking at this thing, I'm thinking, wow. And I even took a picture, Janine, she was standing in the front of, we was going over to eat or something, or come back from eating, I don't remember. And she was standing in the very front, right beside where the front, uh, where the key or whatever you call it comes up like that, and, and she was standing on the ground, and I thought, I, I need a perspective here. So I took my phone and I took the picture of her. And if I show you the picture, I still have the picture. That is impossible to get the front of that ark and Janine in the picture and you recognize who she is. You can blow it up a little bit more and lose part of the ark. And you still can't tell. Until you blow it up tremendously and then you can tell that it's Janine. The perspective is this. It's beyond what you can imagine. And if you think about the love of Christ, if we could compare it to something the size, and we wouldn't even be an ant compared to the love of Christ. And to understand that that love... Is for you, for you, for you, for you. Well, yeah, for you, <laughs> for all of us. Even though we are so unlovable by this world's imagination, God says, I want to show you something.
I want you to comprehend how much I love you. He said, I want you to get a good focus on it. So I think what happened here is because of the relationship, because of the closeness, that John comprehended the love of God. And he wasn't saying that God didn't love everybody else the same way. He was just enthroned upon the fact that God loved him that much. And so he referred to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. He said, he loves me. Loves me beyond any comprehension. It's a love that passes our understanding, but as we surrender to him and allow his fullness to fill every part of our lives, then we'll, with John, begin in part to understand how great his love is for us. You know, we've often heard business, the business world say, it's location, location, location. Otherwise, if you want to be successful in your business, it's location, location, location. You got to be where everybody can see. You got to be where everybody knows you're at. You got to be in a place where everything comes together for you. Location, location, location. And I think John here, with John it was location, location, location. As close as he could get in a relationship, as close as he could get in fellowship, as close as he could get to Jesus. That's what he was after. What if that was our desire? What if that was our desire? And then we find that because of this, that Jesus handed a very important responsibility to John. Let me go back to John chapter 19. As Jesus is on the cross... In verse 25, it says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. As the custom was, the oldest, the eldest child was to watch over the family. The oldest, the eldest child, if the father died, was to take care of the mother. Was to provide a place for her. Was to provide the sustenance that she needed. To be there for her. Now here's Jesus on the cross. And he looks to John. And the, one of the great responsibilities of any child would be to take care of those parents. In the latter years. When they couldn't take care of themselves. And now here's Jesus on the cross. He looks at John. He said, behold thy son. He said, Behold thy mother. He said, John, I'm giving you a great responsibility. Not just to live for me, but to take care of mom. 
And he's handing off this to the one that John says, the one whom Jesus loved. As we understand and begin to see the love of Christ in a greater way, the Lord begins to hand off responsibilities to us because He knows that we understand His love. And He knows that we understand what He wants us to do. Can I tell you this evening that if you don't understand the love of Christ, He can't trust a whole lot in your hands. Because in order to accomplish anything in this world that will last for eternity, you're first going to have to understand the love of God. And so as you begin to know the Lord Jesus Christ in a greater way and in that fellowship and that, in that, that, that relationship with Him of leaning upon His bosom, He then will begin to hand to you things that He wants in your life and in the lives of others around you. As we grow in the Lord and walk in that close relationship to live and please Him, there's some very important responsibilities He wants to give us. As we walk in that love as John walked, we will begin to see things as Jesus did. That's why He could do that. Seeking to bring honor and glory to the, to the Lord. In fact, in, in, in Philip 2.5, He says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Remember I talked about laying, his head laying upon his bosom and, and hearing the heartbeat of Christ? Now the, you, what you see is that relationship has, has a, the ability to give you the mind of Christ and understanding of what Jesus Christ, you know, it, it's, been a big, it's been a big deal and you see the, the wristbands and everything else and the hats and the, the things that, that what would Jesus do, you know, they abbreviate it with the letters. And I don't think people understand what it takes to get to that place to understand what Jesus would do. Because you must know the love of Christ and you must know the heart of Christ. And you must have the mind of Christ to understand what Jesus would do. But as you get to that place and you begin to see that love of God, that is beyond our comprehension, really. But as you begin to comprehend that and you want a closer walk and you want that, that head upon the bosom of your Savior so that you can hear the very heartbeat, the very will, the very direction the very guidance of God. Then God begins to say, here, do this. Here, I want you to accomplish this. Here, I want you to go here and do this. I want you to do this. And, and He begins to, to turn things into your hands because He knows that when you do that because of your comprehension of His love, that you're not going to do it for self. You're going to be doing it for the honor and the glory of Jesus Christ. Without that, we spin our wheels. Without that, we accomplish very little. Notice a couple other areas that John differed 
because of his closeness with the Lord Jesus. In John chapter 20, this is after Jesus had been laid in the, in the, in the sepulcher. It says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, see, uh, see and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, and notice what it says, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. It's John. And saith unto, unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter. He wanted to get there. He outran Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes and lying yet when he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen cloth. And that's, that's, that's Peter's makeup. I mean, he's going he's to get to, he, he's going to get in there. And that's okay. Verse 7 says, And a napkin was, that was about his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but wrapped together in a place by itself. But notice verse 8. Then went in also the other disciple, which first came, or which came first to the sepulcher, and notice what it says. And he saw and believed. Why would he see and believe when Peter, who walked in first, it doesn't say anything about him believing? Why? Because the relationship was so close that he believed. Can I tell you when that relationship's so close and when you understand the love of God, it'll help you believe the unbelievable. It'll help you see what others don't see. It'll help you understand what God's doing when others don't understand. That's why I called him the disciple whom Jesus loved. Not that God loved him any more than any of the others. But because of that disciple's relationship and his love for the Lord and his walk with the Lord, it greatly affected his faith in, in times of the unknown, in the hours of despair and trouble. There's another one I want you to look at. Look over in John chapter 21. This disciple whom Jesus loved was able to recognize the Lord at a distance in trying times. They'd been out on the, on, the, on the sea there and they were casting their nets out and they was fishing and wasn't doing any good. Verse 4 says, But when the morning, boy, I like that. I ought to come back and preach a message on it. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the, other, on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. And notice what it says in verse 7. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord. He girded his fisher's coat unto him. For he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in the little ship, for they were not far from land, but 
it was, it, but as it were, 200 cubits dragging the net with fishes. How did he know it was the Lord? He couldn't see. It was early of the morning. The sun was probably still coming up. There was probably a haze or a fog still going across that sea. They were out at a distance where it would have been hard to recognize who the person was. But John, the one whom Jesus loved, remembered that there was a couple years before that Jesus told him to put the net on the other side. Six, six and a half feet difference. But it made all the difference in everything. Sometimes we're sitting here and we just need to put the net on the other side. And when we hear Lord says, put the net on the other side. Over and over again, we've seen what God can do. We ought to remember. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Nobody else offered a word of who it was. Why would he remember? Because when you're close enough to someone, they're always running through your mind. They're always on your heart. And anything that you see and hear reminds you of them. And God's saying when you look at things, even when there's a fog, remember me. My mom, when she died, a day or so before she died, she would wake up of a morning and, and she had cancer and, and she would lay there. And, and I remember at times she'd wake up in the morning and say, oh, I'm still here. I thought I'd be with the Lord. One morning she woke up and she said to Ken, she said, you see all those, those butterflies? Do you see all those monarch butterflies? He said, no, Helen, I don't see them. She said, that's okay. But when you see one, remember me. Remember me. I cannot to this day but see a butterfly and think of my mom. In that funeral home, there was plants and flowers from scores of people. And almost every one of those plants, they had stuck a monarch butterfly. We even found the little bulletin and we wasn't even looking for it. We was flipping through them to see which one we'd use, and there was one with the monarch butterflies on it. I think Jesus says, when the fog comes in, and you've been toiling all night, it doesn't seem like you're getting anywhere. Put the net 
on the other side. And when you put the net on the other side, you know it's my voice. And you'll know it's me. But my friend, we've got to have that relationship. We've got to have that closeness. We've got to lay our head upon his bosom and hear the heartbeat of the Lord himself. Let's bow. Father, I thank you for loving us. A love that goes beyond our comprehension. A powerful love. Lord, you don't love one more than you love the other. But the difference is, is that we comprehend that love. Lord, show us. Help us to see. Help us, Lord, to comprehend. And Lord, that we might have the mind of Christ, that we might have the direction of Christ, that we might have the heartbeat of Christ that directs our lives. We might bring honor and glory to you and honor and glory to the Father. Lord, speak to our hearts even tonight. That still small voice and cause us, Lord, to draw near to you. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand tonight?